Well, when it comes to eating, I tend to be a pretty easy person. I would be happy day after day to eat the same thing. If there's something good, right? It has to be like pasta. It has to be meat and potatoes. It has to be a good sandwich. You know, something that's good. Perfectly happy to eat that day after day. There's just something that I love about food that, that just, it's just, it's just waiting for me. It's, it's, it's ready to be microwaved. It's ready to be heated up. It's, it's ready to go. I love that. So I'm big on leftovers. Just this past weekend, we had a ministry event here at the church, and there was a bunch of leftovers, and the staff all benefit from the leftovers during the week. Thanks be to God for that. <laughs> but I want you to know that I had the same lunch every day this week, and I liked it every single time. So totally happy with that. You know, with our, with our busy lives, my wife and I and, and our kids, you know, uh, the, the thought of having something that's ready to go, ready to serve, ready to heat is just fine with me. My, my kids, on the other hand, are not so big on having the same thing day after day, unless it was like McDonald's or something like that, but that would probably be poor parenting. And so for them, we do mix it up sometimes. Well, in this Exodus text this morning, we encounter the start of the Israelites' wilderness meal. And evidently, they must have grown to be easy eaters, too, along the way, because this is the meal that God provided for them for their 40 years of wandering in the desert as nomads before they entered the Promised Land. But this meal, as we see, it's actually a miraculous meal. It's actually bread from heaven that he sends for them. God also adds this bonus of some protein for them as he sends them quail to satisfy their hungry bellies. And I want to apologize to all the vegetarians who are gluten-free among us, but bread and meat, what more does a person really need? But our text this morning is much more than dietary recommendations. It's much more than about food, even though it's miraculous food. This morning's text is about trusting God in all things. The Israelites, of course, had to trust God on a number of levels. We, too, as God's people, have to trust him as, as well as we follow Christ. And so this account for a from millennia ago, is relevant for us as people of faith today as well. In Exodus 16, we encounter a few lessons about this, this trust in God that I think we'll see together. The first is that we trust God's leading. We trust God's leading. We trust that our God is good and that he will lead us forward into good things and good purposes and his will for us. We also trust his provision along the way that we are, no matter how comfortably we live, we are ultimately dependent on God who provides for our needs. And then we also trust his word, that we honor his word as we seek to follow him in this world. And that as we do that, it's for our good and for the good of the world. And so trusting God is our theme for this morning. Before we look at these categories, these examples of trust, let us pray. Lord, we thank you again for your word this morning. And we thank you that you have provided for your people through the ages. 
that you have been faithful. Lord, you have been faithful to us as well. Lord, if there's those here who, who struggle to see that, whose vision is dimmed in any way, Lord, would you clarify that for us this morning? God, help us to trust you. Help us to cling to you and follow you and honor you as our good shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're first looking at trusting God's leading. And of course, Israel had to trust God with many things, as we've already seen just in the couple weeks that we've been in this series. They had to trust God with their deliverance from Egypt, where they're oppressed, where they're enslaved. They had to trust that God really did raise up these two guys, Moses and Aaron, to lead them on this Exodus journey. They had to trust God as they're living in the midst of Egypt as it's destroyed by plagues all around them. They have to trust God as they found themselves with the Red Sea in front of them and and a bitter, angry Pharaoh in his armies pursuing them from behind. But now it's been about a month that's passed since they walked out of Egypt and their trust is sort of waning a little bit. Verse 2. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Well, there's no doubt they're hot, they're hungry, they're thirsty, they're uncomfortable. I mean, you can imagine just this sort of journey through the desert wilderness. And we all know, all of us in this room know how those circumstances mess with our heads, mess with our judgment, mess with our attitude. When things get scarce, too, we get a little testy, don't we? Remember back to the pandemic and toilet paper. (laughs) Things got a little testy for many of us. God, will you provide what I need? But what we see is that this, this, these circumstances, this experience that they're in is the perfect training ground for trust. And they had to trust that God was a good leader for them as a people. Many, I'm sure, were thinking, man, wh- where is this whole thing going? Where is this train headed? This is getting hard. When's the breakthrough coming? Maybe we were better off back in Egypt after all. We trust God and his leadership in our own lives, too, and that's challenged at many times. Maybe he leads you into a career change. Maybe he leads you out of a relationship, into a relationship. Maybe you feel he's leading you to downsize your life. Maybe he's leading you into the process of healing or reconciling a broken relationship. Maybe he's leading you towards a new ministry, open doors that he's offering to you. Maybe he leads you to relocate. God, as we trust him and as we submit our lives to him, is leading us all the time. Well, what are the signs then? What what signs do we go by to trust God's leadership? Well, as we're submitting to him, as we're seeking to honor him, we we just get a sense that he's he's in it. He, He is in these circumstances. He is in this transition. We feel like it's confirmed by friends, by the community of faith. It's confirmed in prayer. 
We feel that he's in it because oftentimes God tests our faith precisely through these transitions that he leads us into. But we all know it doesn't always go smoothly. We often hit roadblocks. We often hit challenges. The timing isn't always what we would prefer. And so when that happens, like the Israelites, we're also tempted to grumble. To grumble. If you spend any kind of time in my house, you'd probably hear me say to my kids who are seven and four, now can you ask for that same thing with a non-whiny voice this time, please? And then I wait, and it takes them several seconds, and they don't often get it right the first time, but I don't give them what they want until they ask the right way. Well, I'm a human father. I'm a limited Father in many ways, but we trust that our God is a good Father, that he, is, he abounds in grace and mercy for us. Our Heavenly Father knows what we need. He knows that we need provision along the way. He knows that we need reassurance. He knows that we need encouragement as we're trusting him. But the question for us is, in those challenges and in those moments where we want to whine, are we Approaching him with a humble trust, not knowing all the answers, not knowing all the timing. Or are we grumbling? Are we whining? So virtually right away, the Israelites, they're tested to trust God's leadership. And they don't seem to be doing a very good job at that test at this stage. But what we notice is that God is gracious toward them. It's almost striking how gracious he is toward them, in spite of their grumbling. And so they're challenged to trust God's provision. In verse 4, it tells us, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. God brings that word to Moses and to Aaron, and then they then bring that word back to the community of the Israelites. But they even seem to take it a step farther, don't they? What does Moses and Aaron say to the Israelites? Verse 6. In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread that you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Well, I don't know, but maybe Moses and Aaron are kind of putting God on the hook a little bit more as they they toss in this bonus of some protein, some meat, some quail, And maybe God's original promise of raining down provision from heaven, maybe it's not just limited to bread. We don't know. But the point is that the people just have to wait and see what God is going to do and what he's going to send. In our lives, no matter how comfortable we are, we're relying on God's provision too, all the time. And so our force has questions God, will you really provide for me materially? Will you really provide for me physically, emotionally? God, will you provide for me relationally? 
These are the questions of provision that we're faced with all the time. This morning, earlier in the service, we said the Lord's Prayer together. And this text out of Exodus 16 may be the backdrop to when Jesus teaches us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. God, give me enough for today. I know that you can provide for me for today in whatever area we need. In terms of God's provision, there's those times when he seems to kind of partner with our own efforts, where we put an effort to seek employment or housing or, or, or to seek out relationships and community and support for ourselves, where we step out. But sometimes God works in miraculous ways too, doesn't he? Just out of his good pleasure. A few years back, a friend of mine was a, in a church service, and at the end of the sermon, the pastor invited everyone to consider whether or not God was calling them to empty their wallets for someone else in the service. And my friend knew a woman who had a hard time making ends meet, worked a couple of jobs, had recently lost one of them. And my friend was compelled to, to go to her and to say, I feel like God is, is calling me to empty my wallet for you. And what he had in his wallet was about 35 bucks. Not a huge amount by any stretch. Not going to change her financial picture. But he felt compelled to do it. And the woman is, of course, touched by this gesture and, and blessed by this, but, you know, at the same time, not quite knowing what $35 is going to do, how far that's going to go. But she had faith in God, and she went home and she prayed, okay, God, what are you going to do with this? Well, it turned out a couple days later, this lady was informed that she would receive a rebate on a more expensive item that she had to purchase. A couple days after that, she learned that she had overpaid on her taxes unexpectedly and would receive a big refund. And so that $35 of unexpected provision became $2,000 of unexpected provision for her in one week. He said, God just does that sometimes. God just shows us that he sees us, that he will provide and as people of faith, we live out generosity and just see what God is going to do. I know there's stories all over this room of provision, of God's faithful hand for you. But notice in our text that God doesn't just offer this words to them. God has an experience for them. God wants them to see himself. He says in verse 10, while Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. So God offers the promise and then as Moses and Aaron are explaining what is going to happen and what they can expect and how God is going to show up, God shows up. In this same cloud that, that shielded the Israelites from the approaching Egyptian armies from behind, this same 
pillar of fire and pillar of cloud that's going to lead them around the desert during this season of their history together, which is also going to be his very presence and glory with them. He shows up, reveals himself in a powerful way. And so the people of God have to trust his leading in their lives. They also learned to trust his provision along the way, that in spite of their grumbling, God was gracious to provide for their needs. But also in this text is a trust in God's word. A trust in God's word. We notice that God provides graciously, abundantly, but he adds some important stipulations. As we see in verse 4, God is going to provide this miracle bread, this manna from heaven, but the people are commanded to gather just enough for one day. Gather just enough for one day, with the exception of that sixth day before the Sabbath, where you're to gather twice as much. But it says in verse 4 and 5, In this way, God says, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So, so God has some instructions around this provision. He says, I'm going to provide everything that my people need, but it's going to be on my terms. He says, you're not to hoard the manna. He says, you're not to go out on the Sabbath day and gather it because it won't be there. I am teaching you to trust me. I am resting from providing, and you are resting from gathering. The Hebrew word that's translated instructions there in verse 4 is the word Torah. And so we have here God's covenant law. This is God's commandment. This is his law. And so these weren't just recommendations. These weren't just suggestions. This wasn't just good advice. This was God's law for them, which was for their good and which reflects something of who he is and how they were called to live. But we see, of course, that the people ignore the commands, some of them at least. According to verse 20, some of the Israelites saved some of this manna over into the next day. And it had maggots. It began to smell. So their disobedience was a stench to them. According to verse 27, some of them went out on the Sabbath to go looking for more manna to gather, even though the Lord said, it won't, it won't be there. I am resting. You were called to rest too. And then after all this, in verse 28, the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? You know, Moses kind of takes the heat. I feel a little bit bad for Moses. It's really the people who are screwing up, and Moses takes it from the Lord. But God sees this. God says, I've, I've provided for you, but here's how this is going to go. Well, in our lives, we're challenged to trust God's word, too. His, the, the scriptures, which are a gift from him for us, for our good, for the good of the world. God's word is not just suggestions, not just recommendations. It's, it's the truth of God's will, his way, his purposes. 
The scriptures give us perspective on how to do sexuality, on how to do money, on how to do relationships, on how to love and respect others, on how to treat those who are different from us. Specifically relevant to this passage this morning, the scriptures give us perspective on trusting God both in our working and in our resting. Do we trust God to cease from our working, our producing, our achieving, to just be? Do we trust God with rest? But not only those things, God's word describes the greatest true story ever told. And as we understand it, we see that our lives become wrapped up in it, too. So we honor a good God who leads us well, who provides for us, and we honor him by honoring his word. We live by it. We take it seriously. We pursue understanding. We ask questions. We don't don't get it. But we get to know it. We wrestle with it, and we submit to it. Trusting God's word. Well, as so much of Exodus does for us, this, this account from chapter 16 this morning, this experience of God's people, it, 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 it's not just a historical account, it's a parable for us too. It's a parable for how we live out our own journey. But it's also a pointer. It's also a pointer for us this morning. It's a pointer to the true bread from heaven, which is Jesus Christ. During Jesus' ministry, the crowds came to him. They, they, they demanded a sign from him so that they could believe, so that it would authenticate his ministry. The crowds come to him and they say, you know, our forefathers ate that miraculous manna in the desert. What are you going to do, Jesus? What sign are you going to show us? John 6, Jesus said to them, in verse 32, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus says, you know what? There's a greater provision There is a a greater and even greater provision than that manna provision in the wilderness, and it comes from the Father. Verse 34, 35, the crowd say, Sir, always give us this bread. We've got to have that. Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Church, there's a hunger in all of us. There's a thirst in all of us that no amount of food or drink or money or sex or any of it will satisfy. Just as the Israelites grumbled and God miraculously provided, so too into our lives when we are but enemies of God. So too in our lives when we're rebellious in our sin. So too in this world that's groaning for redemption, God provides a Savior so that we might be brought back to him and that our souls might be satisfied. And so as we look to God's provision in Jesus Christ, we look there 
And we find confidence to trust God in all things. Let us pray. God, you are good. You are good to us. Lord, help us to honor you by trusting your leading, trusting in your provision, trusting in your word. Lord, where our faith is weak, would you strengthen us? Where our faith is weak, would you remind us of how you've been good? And we thank you for Jesus Christ, the bread of life, in whom we have true satisfaction. Lord, we long and we hunger after him. Would you fill us this day? In Jesus' name, amen.